Welcome to Acquiring Minds, a podcast about buying businesses. My name is Will Smith. Acquiring an existing business is an awesome opportunity for many entrepreneurs. And on this podcast, I talk to the people who do it. Harvard Business School ran their annual ETA conference last weekend, December 5th. This is one of the leading conferences for acquisition entrepreneurship in the world. And my guest today is an organizer of it. Michael Ledecky is one of the co-presidents of the ETA Club at HBS, and he came on for a quick episode to share some of the takeaways from this year's conference. Here he is, Michael Ledecky. Michael Ledecky, thank you for joining me this Friday afternoon on Acquiring Minds. You are a HBS, a Harvard Business School uh, student. You're actually in the throes of midterms, so... Thank you very much for carving out some time to talk to me today. Um, you're also the, the one of the co-presidents of the Entrepreneurship Through Acquisition Club at HBS, the ETA Club. And in that capacity, you are one of the key planners of the annual conference that the ETA Club puts on, Harvard, HB, HBS's ETA Conference. It's one of the biggest, if not the biggest, acquisition entrepreneurship conferences in the world probably. Um, and so, and it just happened. It happened last weekend. Um, there's a few events, but the main event is all day Sunday. It's panel after panel after panel, amazing speakers, lots of recognizable names. Um, and so I wanted to have you on and just have you share some of your and your colleagues and other attendees observations, um, thoughts, takeaways from this event, which happened five days ago. <clears throat> so before we get into that, Michael, um, just give me, give me a minute on yourself. Uh, yeah, and what and what interests you? Uh, what got you interested in ETA such that you're the one of the co-presidents of the club at Harvard? Thanks for the intro. Well, we're we're excited about how the conference went this year. We love the engagement from the the panelists, the moderators, and, and the attendees. It was fun to see uh, some people uh, on the uh, in a happy hour before the event, and then online for our main event. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, as far as my interest in ETA. I started uh, learning about ETA around the time I got into HBS in uh, March 2020. Be beginning of the pandemic, didn't have much to do. Uh, <laughs> curled up in a corner, read uh, uh, how, to, uh, how to Buy a Small Business by uh, Richard Yudkoff and uh, by yep. Royce Yudkoff and Rick Ruback, uh, who teach at HBS. This one? And uh, that's the one, <laughs> yeah. uh, HBR's Guide to Buying a Small Business. So that got me started thinking about it. Uh, Love the idea of having real ownership in a company from a young age, being able to be at that intersection of operating and investing and capital allocation at such a early uh, point in uh, my career mm -hmm. uh, and, and chance to, to own and build enduring businesses. Uh, and I think it kind of connected with my family story as well. Uh, my grandpa owned and operated an industrial uh, manufacturing company in uh, the Czech Republic. And uh, my uncle started his career uh, buying uh, family-owned office supply businesses and turning it into uh, a large publicly traded company called U.S. Office Products in the in the 1990s. And you had an internship at Pacific Lake, which is a, a big name in the search fund world. T tell us just a, a bit about Pacific Lake for people who aren't familiar with the brand. For sure. Pacific Lake is one of the, the larger uh, institutional search fund investors in the space. They typically take up uh, 20 to 30 percent of a uh, cap table uh, for a search fund in, in, uh, uh, for a searcher. Uh, mm -hmm. And that searcher would uh, typically take on 10 to 15 other investors. 
and mm-hmm. Pacific Lake is interested in vertical software and, and healthcare companies. Uh, they're uh, interested in, in enduring businesses and uh, have great leadership with uh, uh, Coley Andrews and Jim Southern uh, at the, the head of the, the partnership. Uh, Kevin Oxendine is also a, a general partner and uh, Chris Hendrickson. I, I could I could go down the line. Uh, a bunch of yeah, great, great, great crew at, uh, at Pacific Lake. Uh, very collaborative, which is not surprising. This is a very collaborative ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, top of uh, top class at, at Pacific Lake. And tell us a little bit, Michael, about the ETA Club at HBS. So I'm I'm just so curious, like like how how many people are in it for for one thing? Yeah, we have about 150 members, and I feel like we get a little bit of a bump uh, in the second year as uh, students start taking the financial management of small firms class taught by Rick and Morris, and people become more familiar with the space, but. I feel like we've been growing each year and there's always more and more energy on, on campus when it comes it, to ETA. It, that class that you just referred to. So is that, is there no like strictly like acquisition entrepreneurship or search fund class? Is that kind of the closest thing to a class at HBS around uh, buying a small business? No, I I, I'm, I feel like I'm giving uh, uh, Jason Pananos and, and Jay Davis uh short shrift here too, because they, they actually just uh, created a, a field course Around uh, around ETA focused on on operating uh, search acquired businesses in in the second semester, and uh, Rick and Royce also have a field course that's very much focused on the tactics around searching, but uh, but they use that that gateway course financial management of small firms to to get folks uh, acquainted with uh, with the model, and uh, I think every year you you'll see people at HBS take that course and go down the go down the search path after that. Great, Michael. So why don't you take us through uh, so, some of these observations? What are, what's your first takeaway from from Friday's conference? I think uh, first takeaway would be a focus on finding a, a good business in a great industry. And, and that's a direct quote from uh, from Pacific Lake uh, GP, ah. uh, Kevin Oxendine. Uh, he was on our industry thesis think tank with uh, Tiffany Clay Augustine, uh, Alex Gelman, Neil Jacobs, and uh, Scott Alderman. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think every investor on that panel spoke about the importance of recurring revenue and sticky customers. Uh, Pacific Lake uh, applies their four plus one model to investing. The four plus one model. The from four Pacific plus Lake. one model, okay. yes. So that, that what, involves what that? looking at, look at the industry's TAM, look at market growth, typically want to see market growing at two times GDP, so like 6%. six percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, to what extent is the service that a company is offering penetrated within the market? So think mm-hmm. about software uh, replacing paper-based services and kind of the adoption cor- curve that that industry is seeing right now. So you want um, low penetration. You so want low you penetration. Enjoy, you can enjoy run. their... Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And on top of that, you want something that's high, highly critical. So looking at criticality, uh, something that is needed for that company to, to operate. Sure. Uh, for okay. that customer to operate. And then the plus one is business model. Pacific Lake is very comfortable with with software deals and uh, more generally uh, recurring revenue or reoccurring revenue is what uh, what investors look at 
one of the interesting things that came out of that panel with uh, with those great investors was uh, uh, Tiffany asked the investors, uh, if you were making your PPM today, which three industries would you select? Yeah, yeah. What were some and, of the industries uh, that people people cited? Yeah, I think I think Neil Jacobs gave the the three uh, gave three pretty interesting ones. Uh, first one was elder care. Uh, second one was insurance technology, and uh, the third one was med spas. Elder care, insurance technology, and med spas. Okay, elder care speaks for itself. The other two are a, a little less known to me. Um, insurance technology is enabling insurance providers, I assume, with SaaS products, cloud products, I assume. That seems very niche um, That's right. But again, I don't know anything about the industry. And then and then med spas, um, like what? What, is that, what does that mean exactly? So med spas provide services like Botox and and skin therapies and uh, spa-like services, but they can have a a medical or invasive component to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think in general, search fund investors are interested in medical practice uh, consolidations or acquisitions that uh, involve a service that does not need to be provided by a physician. Specifically in the med spa space, I think Neil sees some strong tailwinds. The, the sector itself is growing by double digits right now in the U.S. You're seeing uh, young people uh, really take to med spas. Mm-hmm. I think the first uh, the average age of the first Botox treatment, uh, Neil didn't say this, but I looked it up before and I think it's in the 20s. Uh, so you're getting these customers pretty young and then they're, they're typically rescheduling or, or they're scheduling new appointments uh, at at the site, so it's it's not recurring revenue, but it's very very reoccurring, sticky revenue yeah. with, with customers. I, I I didn't realize that people in their twenties were getting Botox. I'm not. You don't have to worry about <laughs> me. Will I? I'm yeah. I, I I'm happy with my wrinkles as a, a 27 year old. Uh, but uh, it's uh, yeah. I think yeah. He also cited mostly cash pay. That that's another attractive element of it. Great unit economics. And private equity is has been slower to focus in the space. So um, private equity is not there yet, but it could be there eventually. And so for a searcher, that's good because private equity often represents the exit for the searcher. So the searchers get there first, build up a company, maybe do multiple acquisitions, and then private equity, if private equity is kind of late to that industry, there you are having bought a business or two or three, grown a business or two or three, and private equity is now looking to acquire in that space and you're perfectly positioned. Is that kind of the, the chronology? That's right. And that's uh, you know that, that's a, a, a dream sequence for a lot of search fund uh, in, investors. Uh, I think search fund investors are also coming around to the idea that maybe they're selling these companies too early and and there's there could be opportunities to to recapitalize in other ways and uh promote and structure deals to promote longer term holds but uh, i think you know a, a typical model you see out there is buy the company uh build and grow it for 5 to 7 years and uh build it to a scale in which it it is attractive to a, a private equity acquirer well uh, the one Area that we were able to highlight this conference, which I think is a very important one, is uh, the importance of mental health in search. So we we actually had a panel with some searchers to discuss their experience searching and operating and how that intersected with 
do a mental health. Uh, I think Steve Davitkos had some particularly profound things to say on, on the topic. And I know an acquiring he, he, minds guest. He, he, he's an acquiring minds guest. Um, yeah. What remind me what yeah. he said about, he, uh, about Steve searching. was could not have been more um, emphatic and uh, unapologetic about how much he hated. I mean, his word hated searching the process of searching. Once he found his business and got into being CEO, it was it was challenging but fulfilling and it was a great outcome. So all was well there. Um, but <laughs> I mean, it, it was to the point where the episode with Steve Davidkos, I called from search misery to CEO. I mean, he it, it was a really a miserable process for him. And it was very, I mean, because it was very lonely, he you're getting no feedback. Uh, you don't, you know, until you actually have acquired the business, you don't, you know, it could go always, you know, it could, it, it, you could end with nothing, very binary outcome. So it is incredibly nerve wracking, as he said, particularly for somebody like him who had been academically inclined, had a very kind of prestigious resume and it had, had always had lots of signals of feedback throughout his career. And then all of a sudden he felt like he was floating another direct quote. Um, anyway, so <laughs> I, I can imagine he, he would have been a great panelist for this for this talk. For sure, yeah. You know, there's so much rejection that goes into the search. The feedback yeah. loops are so long, uh, and you, you yeah. need to find ways to balance yourself and to make yourself happy and and do things that make yourself happy as you're searching. Uh, Paul Thompson was another searcher on the uh, the panel. He, he has a great uh, a, a great summary of his search on Jim Sharp's blog called the Search Fund Manifesto. He the kind search of fund manifesto on the Paul search Sharp's fund blog. Mani yep. manifesto. Yep, and he, uh, he he highlights some of the things he did. He would go to volunteer at uh, with uh, children who had cerebral palsy, and yeah, he would also kind of pressure test uh, whatever he was looking at by looking at other jobs, you know, and asking himself, would I be happier taking this job as opposed to uh, being the CEO of a company? And I think that put things uh, in perspective for him. Uh, but yeah, he, yeah, he's, he's a character. He, he's, he runs a great uh, insurance agency uh, business uh, and uh, still owns it after uh, more than a decade in mm -hmm. it. Um, and then another one of our panelists, uh, a more challenging story. Uh, he uh, entered chapter 11 bankruptcy after acquiring a company uh, in a, a three-year search. It took him three years to acquire the company. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I really appreciated him just kind of opening up, telling that story uh, and you know, still having a, an incredibly positive attitude and continuing to, to operate the business. And uh, I, th I think he's going to have great success. Yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, so, you know, two years is kind of what people schedule for a traditional search and two, you know, two years at the, at the, at the, at, at the outside. So you want it to be less than two years. So imagine taking three years to find the company and then in short order facing bankruptcy within this company that's taken you so long to identify and acquire. I mean, that must've been just brutal. So awesome. Awesome that he's pulled it out still in the business. What's the next takeaway from the conference? Um, we had the chance to, to highlight some really awesome women in search. And I think what mm -hmm. we're seeing is that more and more women are searching. Uh, according to uh, Jim Sharp, 23% uh, of searchers are women now. Uh, so okay. we obviously have a long way to go to, yeah. <laughs> to get to the 50-50. Uh, 
but uh, we, we had an awesome keynote speaker who's, I think, an amazing example to, to all searchers. Uh, her name's Ty Lee. Ty Lee? Okay. Well, what, what, what's Ty Lee's story? Ty Lee uh, acquired a small IT business in 1989 with her husband for about a million dollars. And in she 1989. Built that company, okay. 1989. And she is still operating that company. It's now called SHI International. And it's one of the largest IT uh, software resellers and uh, service providers in the country. It's a $10 billion business. Uh, and she is the, uh, she's the wealthy, uh, wealthiest, uh, well, fifth wealthiest self-made woman in America. Yeah. Uh, my, I was going to say wealthiest Korean American woman in America. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. First Korean American graduate of Harvard business school. So big, big win for HPS there. Yeah. Uh, but she, um, she spoke to us at the end of the, 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 uh, the conference and, uh, really, uh, appreciated getting her take on how she grew and and held this business and the power of compounding and and holding onto a business that long and not selling. Uh, it, it takes some gum, gumption to, to retain uh, that much of a business that that's growing uh, that quickly. But uh, we asked her why why she hadn't she hasn't sold and uh, she she said what else would I do with my time? She 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 loves the operating part. She's a consummate operator. Uh, but uh, she she is uh, yeah, an amazing example of hard work and, and determination and uh, and, and, and acquisition entrepreneurship <laughs> acquisition entrepreneurship very much American dream acquisition entrepreneurship uh, I think we talk a lot about Assurian and other uh, outsized uh, outcomes on the traditional search fund uh, investing side. But uh, this is another example kind of hidden in plain sight yeah. uh, that, yeah. that that is uh, not one that a lot of searchers think about or uh, have heard about. But yeah, uh, I, I, ha I hadn't heard uh, of Ty Lee, but I'm yeah. on a Wikipedia yeah. page here and it's an it's an amazing story. Um, and to, you know, to, to acquire a million dollar business in 1989, I mean, she obviously appreciated the value of acquisition entrepreneurship, but it probably didn't even have a name back then and uh, searching or search funds probably weren't a thing. So, um, insightful on her part to, to, to go that path, I, I guess, I mean, you know, I don't know, I don't know her story, but I imagine in 1989, things were very different. So that's, that's super cool. And she owns it to this day. And it looks like her, according to Wikipedia, um, she's become a billionaire through all of this. So. Prospective searchers take note. She, she's doing all right for herself and still working hard in, in the business. Uh, I think she now has a little bit more perspective too on, on trying to find balance. She talked a lot about prioritizing her personal health as well. And oh. I think that kind of connected to uh, to the mental health panel in a good way. Yeah. Um, but she, um, yeah, she, she also, yeah, she had a plan too, which is cool. She, she thinks of her life in, in 10 year plans and, she planned to to buy a, a business when she uh, turned thirty, and oh. uh, she she very much uh, kind of constructed her education and her first jobs out of school as a way to prepare herself for for entrepreneurship. So I thought it was cool the, the power of wow. long term planning and yeah. the power of long term perspective, uh, and that's uh, you know, that, that's another thing I think that's kind of underappreciated in this space. I think a lot of folks 
think about the short term, you know, what will my life look like in five to seven years once I, I sell this company? But yeah, um, she's built something uh, that's uh, compounded over multiple decades into something uh, pretty, pretty incredible. I, I would, I would have loved to see that talk. I, I don't think any of this was rec- any of the conference was recorded. Am I, am I right, Michael? Uh, that's right. Uh, we, uh, th- th- there were a couple of presenters who asked to record it for their own private use. So you could maybe reach out to them directly, but uh, we, we did not. Uh, we did not. <laughs> so I have to email Ty Lee, and, uh, the billionaire, and ask her. Uh, if, uh, I don't know. We, we, oh, we, did, we didn't record Ty's session at all, unfortunately. Um, I think Jim Sharp recorded some of his sessions, but yeah. we're, we're hoping yeah. that next year, by the way, will be in person. So I'm hoping that people will get to experience it on campus next year. Uh, although uh, it, it's been great these last two years in terms of uh, being able to cast a little bit of a wider net uh, on the, the online platform. So thankful for uh, that. Quick, quick aside on that point, actually. So so just to give people a sense, it was um, there was some Friday afternoon panels, uh, a small handful, and then there was the all-day Sunday event. But then there was also an in-person happy hour, right? Was that, what is that, Friday night or Saturday night? That was Saturday night. It was just in Harvard Square. And uh, it was amazing to see people from across the community, many of whom I'd never met, uh, people that flew in just for the happy hour and and, and the opportunity to meet with people and sidebar conversations around the event as well. Uh, but we, we I, I think many, that's a testament yeah. to an event where where the event is online. It's a Zoom virtual event, and yet you still have dozens of people who fly in just for the the happy hour attached to the Zoom event. It, it HBS man, the HBS brand. That's what it'll do for you. Brand. I think it's <laughs> you know. I, I think this is a community that really enjoys meeting each other yeah. and collaborating, yeah. and we just somehow lucked into having the the flagship event in the space, and we want to keep it that way. Cool. Uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's been great. Uh, How many I, people were great. at this happy hour? We had about 150. 150 people yeah. at a happy yeah. hour. Yeah. Yeah. We rented out the entire basement of the, of the bar. So we, we had the entire floor to ourselves. And what percentage, I mean, if you, I, you know, roughly, if you had to say were local versus people who flew in. I, I was trying to guesstimate that. I I think I told you 50-50 in the pre-chat. Maybe 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 60, 60 to 70 were were local, if yeah. I had to guess, but a, a strong presence from from outside yeah. the, the Boston area. Or back to the 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 conference content. What what's your next takeaway? My next takeaway would be that there are just many ways to win. Uh you're seeing a lot of capital flowing into the space, obviously. Uh, searchers can raise a traditional fund in a week or less, and uh, they can be very thoughtful about choosing the right investors who are aligned with with them. Uh, and searchers now have the chance to consider other non-traditional models like holding companies, uh, long-term capital. Uh, saw examples like uh, Trish Higgins from Chenmark who has a permanent equity mm-hmm. play in uh, Home, uh, home services, uh, the home services space. Uh, seeing uh, Andrew Saltoon, an exited searcher, he's investing in a combination of franchise brands now and vertical software. Um, it, just seeing so many ways to win in terms of search, uh, self-funded deals, traditional accelerators. Uh, we had some interesting panelists on the accelerator side from. 
uh, SFA and Broadtree. Um, so it, it, it's interesting, just uh, so much uh, going on in terms of uh, people, new people coming into the space. Uh, you're seeing uh, MBAs from uh, outside Harvard and Stanford getting very involved, <laughs> and which, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Uh, you know, M- MBA programs are devoting more resources to the space. Uh, business school students are more educated about what searching is and, and how to do it and what options are available to them. Michael, the, just speaking of kind of diversity of options um, and, and how that's ever expanding, just one thing I want to um, ask you directly since, since you're at HBS, I think I understand, but uh, so between HBS and Stanford, GSB, Graduate, Graduate School of Business, GSB is the school, Stanford is the school where the traditional search fund is, is really kind of taught and many people coming out of Stanford MBAs do a traditional search versus Harvard where it's, there's traditional, but there's also self-funded. And that, that's a little bit of a, a philosophical tension, if you will, between the two schools or am I overplaying it or talk, do I have this right? Talk to me about that. Elaborate on that for me. Yeah. I, I, I think I have it generally, uh, right. I, I think Stanford, uh, is very heavily on the traditional side. Uh, it's unusual to see a self-funded searcher coming out of the GSB, but there are plenty of exceptions. You interviewed Chris, Chris. Williams the other yeah. day and uh, he did a self-funded search after graduating the GSB. I think, I think it boils down to kind of the way search is taught at the two schools. Uh, Stanford kind of claims Irv, Irv Grausbeck as the uh, the founder of uh, the traditional search. Uh, he, he was, I think he taught at both HBS and Stanford, but he really developed the traditional search model at Stanford. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. He invested behind Pacific Lakes, Jim Southern, as one mm-hmm. of his first search investments. Uh, so I think that model is also just very intertwined with the startup culture of Silicon Valley and the comfort around software deals and the necessity to have that committed capital in order to do uh, those types of software deals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the HBS side, I think you see, I, th- I think it's kind of 50-50 at this point, but uh, Rick and Royce are a bit more comfortable with uh, self-funded deals or deals that fit the profile of a self-funded search. Uh, they, they also invest in traditional deals or uh, they, they also have, they, they have a vehicle uh, in which they are the sole investor in, uh, in a few searchers that they select each year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so self-funded, not, tra- not traditional. So, so I, I don't want to speak out of turn on to what their terms are. I, th- I think yeah. in some cases they, they might fund the the searcher as they go finding the company but uh the the, the terms look a little bit different yeah. uh in terms of uh the carry and uh the eight and a third eight and a third eight and a third model i'm mm-hmm. i'm not sure they go toward that but i i, I think they yeah you see jim sharp is very much in the uh, he, he also teaches and is a, a uh, an entrepreneur in residence at hbs and he's very much on the, the self-funded side and uh, waves the flag for that, but he he invests in traditional searches. Uh, but I think you know there's a trade-off between uh, alignment between an 
at one side you have on the tra- traditional side you have uh think about the uh, the alignment between investors and searchers and searcher might feel pressured to sell in five to seven years depending on the portfolio return uh a uh a self-funded searcher, on the other hand, could have less pressure to and, and hold a company for for the longer term. So, right. Um, yeah. Different models and, and different ways of of going about about the search. Right. Right. Well, and and when you say that there's multiple ways to win, it just seems that that's appropriate for Harvard for HBS's ETA conference to hear kind of this. Um, this more of a rainbow of options if if Stanford kind of is is more committed to the traditional search, which is a little bit more of a, or maybe a lot more rigid of a model. Yeah, we we were pretty intentional about finding people that that represented all all the different ty- types of search and and put them yeah. in conversation with each other. And uh, yeah. there were some interesting things that came out of those conversations. All right, so I think you had one more point, Michael, or one more takeaway from the conference. So let, what what was that? I think uh, just generally speaking, there's uh, a lot of optimism around opportunities for searchers, but there's also uncertainty. Uh, Jim yeah. Sharp gave uh, a great presentation on the myths of search, and uh, in it, he kind of discussed his expectations for 2021 versus reality. And what he found was uh, a lot of searchers, a lot of sellers were waiting to sell because they hadn't fully rebounded from COVID and yeah. to, to see more of a recovery before selling. And uh, that could lead to a, a bulge of, of opportunities in 2022 and 2023. But uh, it very, it's kind of unpredictable at this point. I think it depends a lot on uh, the recovery and yeah. other factors drive, driving sellers. But uh, I think his prediction is that we'll see a lot a lot of interesting deals come to market in 22 and 23. And just so people know Jim Tharp, I mean, Jim Sharp, sorry, he's <laughs> at HBS, um, but he's also known f- beyond the the grounds of Harvard for his blog. He, right. He's a, he has a fantastic blog. He was, uh, yeah, the, Plug uh, the, the blog, the, the, uh, the, uh, Jim, Jim Stein sharp.com, I think is the blog. Uh, the OG, uh, acquisition <laughs> entrepreneurship blog. You're uh, you're giving him a little bit of competition now. Will um, <laughs> you, you should have him on? It would be great to have yeah conversation. Right, yeah. But he's a uh, prolific uh, prolific in uh, the content that he puts out and and the things that he does for the HBS community. I mean, between Rick and Royce and him, I think he's inspired. Uh, they they've inspired uh, ten tens uh, dozens and dozens of of searchers who would not have otherwise gone out to acquire a company. Uh, so real, yeah, we, we owe him a great debt in terms of uh, what he does to moderate panels and uh, connect with investors and searchers and provide us with uh, examples and, and thoughts on search. But and uh, as yeah. I recall, his, his blog is, is um, less on the frequency and more on the depth. So kind of long form, thoughtful uh, essays really uh, around acquisition entrepreneurship. Am I right about that? That's right. He, he goes deep into the weeds on uh, acquiring and also operating. He, he's very much uh, an operator. Uh, he saw uh, great success with, with his company and, and is a, as many oper- 
has seen many searchers and has guided many searchers through uh, through their operating experiences. So a uh, lot of wisdom in that blog. Uh, highly recommend. I, th- I guess we've probably yeah. mentioned it a, f- a few times over the course of, of, of this podcast, uh, but a lot of great, a lot of great content. So for uh, next year, um, t- tell people a little bit just about what to expect from the conference. You're, I guess you're hoping for it to be in person next year. Um, you're hoping, but don't know yet. Obviously. We're hoping, yeah, we'll be, yeah, we're at the mercy of of Harvard and, and HBS uh, on on bringing guests to campus. You know, HBS has been starting to bring guests to, to campus, but uh, it's been under a limited circumstances. We, we didn't want to risk it bringing 650 people on campus, uh, which is the second most that we had to, to last year. We had about 800 signups last year in the, the thick of the pandemic. Uh, so I think probably people had other things to do than uh, sit on uh, a video conference uh, last weekend, but we were happy with our numbers. Who knows what the numbers will look like in person. I think yeah. uh, last time we had it in person, we brought about somewhere between 300 and 400 people on campus. Okay. Uh, but it was, yeah, we're seeing, uh, seeing, it seems like we're, we're drawing from a, increasingly larger pool on the conference and uh it's it's been exciting to and would you say that that that's a goal so so i don't necessarily need to be somebody who uh is a business school grad myself um to get value from from attending the the conference so if i'm kind of a uh, an independent searcher you know from from wherever uh yeah this is this is something that i should feel um like you're welcome. welcome yeah, we, yeah, we 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 were excited about mid-career searchers. Yeah. Again, Jim Sharp is is also very much on the mid-career searcher train. He, he's promoted that as uh, an aspect of of searching, and uh, I think it, it. I I really enjoyed talking to some of the mid-career searchers that just showed up at at our happy hour. There was one one guy who was uh, was in the military actually, mm-hmm. and uh, is now searching locally, and uh, we we must have chatted for 20 minutes and it was one of the more, more, more inspirational, uh, conversations that I had, uh, at that conference. So, um, I, yeah, I appreciated the time I got to spend with him and some of the other self-funded searchers who bring in a, a very different perspective yeah. uh, than, than the MBAs. Well, it sounds like it's a, it's a really a great cross-section of people who come. So, um, uh, assuming it's, it's in person next year, uh, I'll be, I'll be in that crowd. Um, so Michael, thanks a lot for coming in on short notice and doing this. This is great since I couldn't come to the conference myself and and probably many of my listeners, um, didn't, weren't there, uh, or weren't attending virtually. They'll get a lot of benefit from this. So, um, thanks for taking a break from midterms, midterms and hopping on zoom with me. This is awesome. We'll get a much better overview of what happened if you actually go to the conference next year. Uh, but <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for this opportunity to talk with you, Will. It's been so much fun uh, consuming your content and, and seeing you grow uh, acquiring minds. Appreciate it. Thanks, Michael. Until next time. Thanks, Will. Thanks, Will.